This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast, brought to you by the all-new Natural Light Natterdays, with a refreshing strawberry lemonade twist. It's Natterdays. They're going to run and get that boot. The Arkansas Razorbacks have completed the dream season. A baseball team that's on the way back, a college world series title. Stadium. I almost got fired because I went Willie the boss after I had a little too much sauce. This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. There's as much science as there is art to running the smoke. Well, that, that's what I tell him. Right, right. That's why I got to be outside. Sounds good. I can't be up here helping with the vacuuming, the dusting, the cleaning. The stra- you got, have your own job I've to got, do. Exactly, because if that fire gets too hot and no one's there to water, to watch it and monitor it, and then where are you going to be? But no, it was fun. I had a, we had a great Mother's Day. It had Laura's parents over and my mom and her husband over and all my kids are there. And so and my wonderful wife, Laura. So it was a great, great day yesterday and beautiful weather. Beautiful weather. As, and I kind of it was weird because I kept looking around a couple of times. I wonder what the baseball. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, about half a second into the thought, you really, oh, there is no baseball game. Yeah, today. I know. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like kinda, a routine. You yeah, got exactly. Into. I was kind of thinking, I wonder how the, oh, no, the hogs aren't playing today. You yeah. Know? It was like on a Sunday afternoon. It was like, so I guess I means I have to spend the afternoon with my mother on Mother's Day, <laughs> I guess, instead of watching a baseball game. You didn't. But, you, you said that with the wrong tone, young man. You, yeah, you, she's <laughs> not awake enough to listen anyway. So, any, but but it was a great weekend. It went, I know it was for us for Mother's Day, but it was also, folks, of course, a great weekend for the Arkansas Razorback baseball team. They finally have done it, folks. They did it. For the first time since 2011, they have beaten the LSU Tigers in a regular season series. Sound the alarms. Let everybody know. The Razorbacks have arrived. And, man, it was – and it's like they got two out of three. It felt really good. But, yeah. man, you just really felt like they should have got that sweep. Too. I feel like it almost needs this one, too. Raider Nation, this is a big effing deal. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because it is. I mean, it really is. It's one of those get-the-monkey-off-your-back type yeah. of victories for this baseball team and all last week we were talking about it just how how much it would mean how 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 it would be a difference maker how it could really catapult the baseball team to heading right into a postseason play towards the end of the season we said they had to get to two out of three would have been nice to sweep but two out of three would work and that's exactly what they did and in those first two games it was really all arkansas i know that arkansas was down 3-0 there early in game two but then just an explosion there later in the game and had, I think it was six runs in a single inning, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, it was just, it was one of those games that you could, you know, really have a lot of highlights from if Phil Elson, yeah, it was the eighth inning, the eighth inning, there you go, eighth inning that uh, Arkansas had an explosion of six runs. So, I mean, that that's just the type of game that, you know, you, you really like to have the cherry on top and for Arkansas to get the series victory. Now, they move on to Texas A&M, but it's just, I feel like they wrapped up the national seed after this weekend. You think they can go 0 for 3 at A&M? And have no concern, no zero concerns going to College Station, or going to Hoover from College Station. Yeah, I, I, I mean, unless I mean, listen, I don't know. I don't. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know what the committee's thinking or, or you know what they're going to be looking for. But the the odds of them going over in College Station are, I think, pretty slim. I'd agree. So I feel like even if they just win but, one in Texas A and M, they still have a well, national seed. Okay, so let's talk about the Western Division. Looking at the standings right now, mm-hmm. Arkansas has, what, 19 wins right. in the Western Division. 
and what is it, a full two-game lead? Well, since <laughs> is it, is it, it, two- it should have been, but since Mississippi State swept Ole right. Miss over the weekend, it is just a one-game one, lead. One-game lead, okay. So, one-game lead over Mississippi State, but you hold the tiebreaker. So, Correct. Again, I think if you either, as we've talked about, have the one seed coming out of the West, it'd be really nice if you could win two and then just have the outright. But since you have Mississippi State with the tiebreaker situation because you swept them, mm-hmm. you, you got to be the, the one coming out of the West. And that would probably make you the two seed. If you win two, because what you want to be is the two seed overall out of this conference going into the conference tournament, too. Right. Then I don't think you have anything in Hoover to worry about. Yeah. No. Because remember, when they go into the conference tournament, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the way I understand it, they'll just take overall records. There is no... One seed out of the West, one seed out of the East, two seed. They, Correct. That, the way they seed the conference tournament is, all right, Vanderbilt, whoever has the best record gets the one seed. Second best record, two seed. And the worst two records are not even there. And, yeah, bottom two, you're gone. Uh, so you you want to be really the one, the one or two seed. Yeah. So I, th- I think there's still plenty to play for. Your question, though, is do you need to play for it? And I guess you could always look at it from the standpoint of you're trying to improve your national seed, but as we've talked about, Dave, Dave's not wired that, that way. If you you're going to go play, you might as well win. Yeah. They're just competitors. I, you know, I think they're, they're going to go down to A&M trying to sweep their butt. Yeah, well, and that's what you want out of your coach. You don't want a coach that you know, doesn't want to be competitive even in games that you know, may not mean the most for you in the postseason. But it's... Arkansas has come this far in the way that they've played. I mean, you know, what was it, Tommy? How many weeks ago was it that we were saying, man, imagine if this team could get to 40 overall wins in the regular season and get to 20 conference mm-hmm. wins? Yeah. Well, they're at 39 and 13, yeah. and they're at 19 and 8. So yeah. one more victory puts them into the 40 and 20 category. And You go 40 and 20, you've had a hell of a year. Oh, my goodness, yes. And, and, and that's, that's a lot of times when you're done, like all the way done, postseason done. And they're on the doorstep of their one conference went away from 40 and 20. 40 regular season wins, 20 SEC victories with one more win in College Station. I mean, just and just be just, on- think, just think about that. Well, I'm looking at Dave Van Horn's records at Arkansas, and his greatest overall record was, of course, last year when they had 48 wins. And... If they get, say, if they win two out of three against A and M this week, okay, that's so gives yeah, a forty-one. Forty-one. Win. And then you're going to need to win what is it? Three games to get out of your regional. Yeah. And so, then, so forty-one, two, three, four. You got to win two more to get out of the super regional. Mm-hmm. So there's forty-six. But and you're not including the SEC tournament. Oh well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. So I mean, you could win two there. So forty-eight. 48 going to the College World Series if, if you're fortunate enough to advance. So yeah. I don't believe there's ever been – we looked this up once, and I can't remember, but I, I, I'm certain it wasn't 50. I don't think any team's ever won 50 at Arkansas. No. Now, Van Horn won 50 when he was at Nebraska, but right. never at Arkansas. I don't think any of Norm's teams back in 79 or right. any, I don't think any of those teams ever won 50. Right. So you got a program with a chance – now, some things are going to have to go well. You're probably going to have to go to College Station. I mean, to uh, to the to the College World Series uh, to do it. So you're going to have to have a deep postseason run. But there's a chance this this program could a- attain 50 total wins this season. 
Dave, Dave Van Horn. Dave Van Horn. Think about that, though. Think of, think about it before this season started. If I would have told you that Arkansas would have more regular season wins than the team last year, like by a few, not just by one, but by a few, would you have believed me if I would have told you that, that they would be a overall record would be better I this year than last year? Well, I mean, again, I, I never doubt because of Dave Van Horn. I understand. But I would wonder what happened to the league. That would probably <laughs> yeah. be my first thought. Yeah. Because, again, Dave Dave kind of Lou Holtz us a little bit. Pre- you know, we're a little overrated and kind of, I don't say poor mouth, but he, yeah. remember he don't talked, have much power. talked yeah. us down a little bit in the, in the beginning of the year that this team is not, we're, we're living off of our reputation a little bit from last year is pretty much the tone he was talking in preseason. And I think a lot of people right now, we lined lined a bunch of you up out there. You you believe because I be, I think a lot of us believe, you know this this team right here is probably better than last year's team that went all the way to the to the final round. More complete, more well rounded. There's you know Isaiah Campbell's rounded into form as to 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 the level of a Blaine mm-hmm. Knight. Yeah, you may be in. Probably, I think you're not. Maybe I think you're in better shape with your two and your three starter. Wicklander's been really good. But I'm gonna tell you, if there's one thing that can. Is there anything that? Okay, well, all this praise. What concerns you right now? I got one thing that that is concerning me about deep postseason run, run to a national title kind of concern that they got to get fixed. Fixed. Is it the bullpen? Middle yes. middle relief. Yeah, I'm the same way. Uh, middle relief is the one area right now that still worries you a little bit more. It's not very consistent. Right. They can do it. I mean, yeah. there, there's times they come in and just lock the other team down. But then there are times where it is a problem. And that, that that's going to be the issue. That seems to be the the recurring issue with this team is is middle relief. Yeah. Can they get that short up in time for postseason, player? Can they find some well, consistency there? I think they can. I think you are what you are at this point. But may, maybe with the focus nothing but baseball no academics at this point. Maybe yeah. you know. Maybe you can work on your. I don't know what you mechanics technique. I don't know what you're working on at this point. It's probably as much mental as it is working on your focus. Maybe something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but that's the one area that if there's one, if there's one uh, hole, if there's one weakness that that's the that's the place right now you'd have to pick on a little bit. Yeah, no, that's I'm, the loose thread. I'm with you. I'm with you, and because it didn't power. No, it's not. No, it's Although, not. You know, game three, you lose three to two. You know, Arkansas had what two runs on eight hits. So yeah, that's not a very good stat. Had the one error, but the error didn't matter. That was that throw over to first by uh, Connor Nolan that didn't end up hurting you yeah. at all. Yeah, didn't get out of that inning. That, that runner never advanced past second. So yeah, didn't end up impacting you. So, but let's just let's just say it out loud since there's that issue that you have just take care of business with your starters you know don't don't have to come from behind in these series and these games you're going to have in postseason play have isaiah campbell get that get that victory first and foremost like that's what was great about last year what really helped him is is blaine knight getting those victories those game ones you do that you'll be in good shape you know you get into these regionals you get in it's just game one game two all the way through you win your first two games in a regional you're hard to knock out. Yep. You win your first two games in a super, you're going to Omaha. You win your first two games in Omaha, somebody's got to beat you twice in order to knock you out before you get to the national championship round. That ain't easy. So it's 
when you have two great starters, and I think Arkansas has got one legitimately great starter, and Wicklander's one pretty dadgum good one getting there. Well, you're you're hard out, and yep. then when you match that up with a team that's capable of putting some crooked numbers up, woo, you know, and that's what's key is can you go stake these guys to a pretty good lead by the second, third, fourth inning? Mm-hmm. And then if you can do that and then not rely on your bullpen, you know, you're going to be in good shape. That, that's the recipe. But, you know, what team isn't trying to do that? Exactly. Exactly. You know, but what team isn't trying to do what I just said? You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Brought to you by the all-new Natural Light Natterdays. A light lager brewed with a phenomenal strawberry lemonade flavor that's perfect for bringing the fun to every occasion. The new Natural Light Natterdays. Touchdown, Hogs! Holy Hog! He's just joining us. We've been discussing Arkansas getting the series victory over the LSU Tigers over the weekend. And, I mean, you can't really ask for a better performance so far this regular season out of Arkansas, given the expectation. I'm curious to see where they will go in the rankings, if they'll move up or down or just kind of stay in the same, because I think if they would have swept LSU... They for sure would have moved up. It'd be hard to go up much. I, oh, I know. That's you know, what I'm saying. Like, where are you going to go? Well, you're, you're number four. The teams in front of you have to have to take a take a, a dive a little bit. They have, to, they have to lose some games to to make room for you. Yeah. I mean, it, that would be the case that would have to happen. But it also makes me wonder, too, has Arkansas wrapped up that national seat? Because I think that that's what everyone's kind of playing for at this point. Because, again, I don't see any value, and we've talked about this, but really just anything big time or any reason to go all out for the SEC tournament. Because I think Arkansas winning the division in the regular season is far more valuable and far more important than doing anything in the tournament. And just, you asked about Ricky, in the the RPI, the NCAA RPI, which is what I pay a little more attention to, Arkansas is fourth. So UCLA one, Vandy two. East Carolina just continues to Jeez. to roll right along in the American Athletic, the AAC, not the ACC. East Carolina is third. Arkansas is fourth. Mississippi State, after their sweep of Ole Piss, is fifth. So hmm. okay. So there's still plenty of SEC teams right there in the oh, mix of things. Well, I mean Mississippi State's five, Georgia six, uh, Tennessee is ten. I don't see how they're going to be a three seed according to that one projection, but anyway, Phil Phil says they are. That I understand. Auburn is sixteen. A and M this weekend's opponent is seventeen. Ole Miss eighteen. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. Oh, there's LSU at twenty four now. There they are. Kentucky being the worst team in the SEC is probably like thirty second. Uh, <laughs> Just that's how good. The, that's Alabama. how good the conference Kentucky's is. Kentucky's at yeah. forty. Bama's at forty two. So every single SEC team is in the top 40, essentially, well, essentially 42. 42. Top 42. So shows you how good the conference is. And uh, Jeremy actually tweeted in. Actually, said, that's not correct because South Carolina's like down. I got to find them. South Carolina's the, the outlier. Wow. So they're even they're even. Well, they were off. like 71 earlier this year. So And grief. What happened to that program? I guess really a down year over there for the game. South Carolina, 89. Wow. So, okay. So, uh, all the SEC teams are in the top 89. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't sound as good as top 42, but still, uh, most of the SEC is really good. And, and Jeremy actually tweeted it and asked what it will take for Arkansas to get the one seed in the SEC tournament because right now Vanderbilt is 20 and 7. Arkansas is 19 and 8. So, they're one game behind. And Vanderbilt has the tiebreaker over Arkansas because they won the series. Arkansas did get a victory against them in game three, mm-hmm. 
but still hold the tiebreaker over Arkansas. So what you would have to have is Arkansas sweep Texas A&M this weekend and Vanderbilt gets swept by Kentucky. That ain't probably is not going to happen. So they did lose a game to Missouri this weekend. They did, they did. But I, Missouri's actually listen, a decent team. I don't, I don't really care about. I mean, yes, you'd like to have the overall regular season championship. Yes, I mean, yeah, well, you, you're the one seed. I, I don't, I don't care about any of that stuff. I don't either. I, I mean, I, I guess it's nice and it looks good. I mean, I don't think, I don't think Dave. Dave called in now, or we got Dave Van Horn on the horn. I don't think he honestly cares about any of that stuff either. I mean, you want to have the best national seed possible, and I, I, I think the committee probably doesn't put a lot of daylight between the one and the two seed in the SEC. I, you know, as far as national seeding, you know that you just want to be no worse than the second seed because you, you, like you said, you can feel good going to Hoover. I just, you say they got it wrapped up. A national seed. When you say that, my thought is, well, you don't have to win another game. And I think you got to win another game or two just to make sure you are the one seed because you don't control your fate. You don't control your destiny. Right. The magic number is not zero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you need to go win at least one, it looks like. So, okay. So that and maybe win two because to me, you got to win the West or at least be tied for the West and you have the tiebreaker over state. So you're going to, to be ahead of them. I think Arkansas wants to be in a position where Vanderbilt's the one and Arkansas's the two going into Hoover, and then there is no argument about whether or not you're going to be the national, a, a top four national seed. So you you feel like they have to get at least one more game and, against A and M to be wrapping up a national yeah. seed. Tony and Greenwood says you definitely can't lose five in a row. I absolutely you can't lose three at A and M and two in Hoover. Mm-hmm. So I mean I get your point, and I think they've definitely qualified and wrapped some things up. But they're not going to go down there. A, they're not going to lose three in a row at A&M. Right. I, I guess my, my thinking on it is the only way they don't is if they beat themselves. No one's going to beat them out of it. It's I going agree. to be if they beat themselves out of the national seat. I feel like Arkansas beat themselves on Saturday. Yeah. Well, of, of course. I mean, they that was a game of missed opportunity. Yeah, I just don't see Arkansas. I don't see the bats going quiet for three games in a row. The pitching and the... Going going sideways three games in a row. I, I don't see it. No, I, I don't either. And I mean, uh, it would be an outlier from everything we've seen to this point through uh, what 50, 52 games. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, you know, Texas A and M even this past weekend they only took two of three against Alabama. And get yeah. this, their first game they won three to two. They lost two to one in game two to Alabama, and then in game three the rubber match six to five. Yeah. So, you know, A&M, it's the SEC and everybody's good and everybody can get you your best number. But A&M is still a team that's they're ranked in the top 20, top 25 as of right now. So, I mean, they're not going to just roll over and, and let you go in there, and, and especially in their final did, regular season. Who does Mississippi State play this weekend? Mississippi State plays South Carolina. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's that's like, the thing. Have... They, could, they could win three. So, I mean, that's the there's what you have to play for. Because you can just just go ahead and assume they're going to win three, and you've got a one game lead on them, so you got to win two. You got to go into A and M with a mindset of you got to win two. Yep. Because you just got to assume they're going to win three. Because South Carolina, yeah, South Carolina is in fact the worst team in the league. Eighty two in the in the RPI. I mean, eighty nine or eighty nine, even worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you still have. 
you still have something to play for. And I think that that's what also Dave Van Horn, and I'm sure this team wants to still have the mindset of, that well, you still have stuff to play for. You haven't wrapped up anything. I was listening to Phil and Bubba on the post game after Saturday's game, and Bubba was trying to make sense of the loss, and they were trying to kind of, you know, here you are talking about a, a series win over LSU, something this program hasn't accomplished since 2011. But here we sit in the broadcast booth feeling somewhat disappointed after a series win because of the way Game 3 went. It was kind of the mood of the conversation. And Bubba Carpenter made the comment, and I think it's spot on, that, well, this loss will keep will keep everybody hungry. This will This will keep you focused going to A&M. And I think that's exactly right. It gives Dave Van Horn something to a little more, a little more ammo for this week with his team. I think that's absolutely uh, in, he can turn a negative, which was the loss and the way you lost to LSU in that final game into a positive this week to recapture focus. It's, it's going to be a teaching moment. Um, he'll, he'll make a positive out of it. Yeah. So it will keep this team hungry, if you will, what happened. And I think that that's good because, you know, you'd hate to be this close to winning the Western Division, to being the number two seed going into the SEC tournament, and let State come in here because they get to play South Carolina the last weekend. And somehow Mississippi State, a team you swept, and that's got to help with the committee too, but mm-hmm. a team you swept take the Western Division away from you on the final weekend? I would think just playing for the Western Division would be enough to just keep you motivated. But, yeah, yeah you can't just let that get away from you. be like 1998 football all over again. Mississippi uh, State comes in for a second to steal the division from you. So. Can Todd Lauderette throw out the first pitch? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, can you actually have him in there in the game itself? But but that's the thing. Is like I just, I just don't see, and I know that you always got to knock on wood and you never want to jinx the team or anything like that, but I just see in no way, shape, or form that a Dave Van Horn team and what this team has done so far this year and the way that they've played this year and the way that they've played as of late to go down and then just totally lay an egg in College Station to where they get swept by AM. I just don't see that happening. Arkansas has not been swept in conference play this season. It's been close. You know, that Vanderbilt series came really close to it, but they have not been swept. They have swept plenty of teams. They're playing really good baseball right now. And in fact, like you mentioned, Tommy, in Game 3, they they beat themselves in that game. Well, it had nothing again, to, nothing against LSU, but Arkansas is the one that gave up that game. We mentioned this earlier. Middle relief is the one area of this team that, if you said that you've got to fix this before you could really make a deep run in Omaha, it's got to be middle relief. Mm-hmm. And is Cronin the guy that can come in and always get the save? Can always throw water on the camp on the other team's campfire? Is he the guy you feel? I mean, he's been good a lot, but the, he's not been always. He's not an absolute either. No, he's not a guarantee. Starting pitching for the with with Campbell and now Wickler, you can pretty well count on that. And Connor Nolan's getting pretty close to that. Mm-hmm. He's been more. He's been like three out of four starts, pretty good. So I, I think Arkansas's got starting pitching figured out. But when you go to the pen and the Fifth, sixth, seventh inning, you can't let it come apart in a two-run game. Just can't. Nope. And that's been that. That that is exactly you know the one thing that's got to concern you. Yeah, I, I mean that's that's the thing that's is really going to be the biggest question. You know, and if you're if you're able to take care of business against A and M, then you don't have to worry about it right now. 
But uh, as somebody just tweeted in, and this is something that uh, I meant to mention when it comes to A&M this week, and you know, they're not going to be without their best pitcher. He got suspended because he got ejected over the weekend. So, well, uh, how long is he suspended? He's suspended for the whole series against really? Arkansas. Really? Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it, yeah, it's not just like a one game and then he can come back in game two. He's suspended for the whole series. Because what would it mean to be ejected for one game, but you can come back in game two? Yeah, that's right? usually how baseball works, though. Yeah. They normally don't do that. Yeah. Or a lot of times they don't do that. Yeah, I mean, and it's uh, Asa Lacey is his like, name. Like when Kerstad was ejected from the game, he had to sit one more game. He wasn't gone for a, for an additional series. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and once again, a pitcher. But good, it couldn't happen to a, I'm sure he's a fine young man. Maybe he'll learn his lesson. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast, brought to you by the all-new Natural Light Natterdays, the new beer of the summer, with a refreshing strawberry lemonade twist. Natterdays, fun for every occasion. They won't catch him! Collins is going to take it all the way to the house. Tom Murphy of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Good morning, Tom. How was the weekend, my man? Oh, it was a lovely, great weekend. Shout out to my wife, Kate. She got her doctorate. She walked on Saturday. Very proud of her. Oh, excellent, excellent. Congratulations there as well. That's Are you now referring to her as Dr. Murphy? <laughs> Dr. Murphy, yeah. that's her, man. Right. Dr. Murphy has a nice ring to it. Well, it was a big weekend uh, for a lot of Razorback fans, too, Tom, as they finally get the monkey off their back. They finally defeat LSU in a regular series season, as regular season series. And I know that Razorback fans were appreciative of that. They probably should have swept them if they didn't have them beating themselves there in game three. But just uh, your overall feeling towards what Arkansas has done over the weekend. And also, do you feel like they wrapped up a national seed with that series victory? Well, I would tend to think that they would. Um, there's only, you know, three games left in the regular season and then the tournament. But they're right on the, the cusp, I would say, of for sure getting the top eight. I mean, Vanderbilt probably is in there, and now Mississippi State is really coming on strong. Uh, if they had just held on to the Saturday game um, and swept the series, it would have made it really difficult for Mississippi State. I think at that point, uh, they would have to sweep and Arkansas get swept for uh, Mississippi State to, to win the SEC West. So still got their work cut out for them down there at A&M this weekend. Um, Dave has fared pretty well in his head-to-head matchups with Rob Childress, and the Razorbacks have actually played pretty well in College Station. So, uh, you know, you get greedy after you win the first two, and they had to fight back. I mean, LSU got the lead in both games. In fact, I want to say they scored in the first two innings of both games. And then the Razorbacks rallied late and really beat up their bullpen. That's what made Saturday's game a little bit mysterious because their starter, Landon Marceau, had a seven-plus ERA, and they weren't able to really pile it in on him, even though they had a couple chances. And that sixth inning was the real flashpoint when they had the bases loaded, no outs, couldn't get any runs. And I think if they pushed that to four or five to nothing, um, they'd probably go ahead and just sweep LSU. Yeah. All right. 39 and 13, 19 and 8 in league play, a win away from 40 and 20. Is this Dave's best coaching job ever at Arkansas? Hmm. You know, it certainly ranks up there. I mean, he's done a phenomenal work in a bunch of different seasons. You know, uh, 2004 and 7, and uh, last year, obviously. Uh, but, you know, wait, I, I think make, the way this team came together with so many new position players. And getting that early production from the bottom of the order, and then, um, and then the the veteran guys kind of coming on, and now everybody contributing different parts of the, of the batting order, and getting what they've 
managed to do with their pitching staff. It, it's been a pretty pretty masterful job. And and then they've had this series of, of guys who've missed pitching in time as pitchers. You know, Scroggins and Kossi Shock have missed time. And um, it looks to me like they're kind of building up toward having a, a nice full staff as they start the postseason. So uh, this certainly would rank, I would think, among the top two or three seasons that Dave Van Horn has put together here. Speaking with Tom Murphy of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette right now on the Morning Rush. Tom, something we discussed too is we kind of know what this team's about. We know what this team has and what they're capable of doing, but yet we still feel like there could be a weakness there with the middle relief pitching for Arkansas. As they head into the final series of the regular season and into postseason play, would you say that is the biggest weakness for this team right now? Well, it, it's a question mark sometimes more often than, than other parts. I mean, there were times where you know, the innings that they were getting out of their second and third weekend starters was a, was a question mark. And now, uh, yeah, you know, K- uh, Kossi Shot gives up the three-run homer. Um, Cody Scroggins did a great job getting out of the, the jam he was in when he came in the game and settled, settled things down for a couple of innings. But then, you know, a walk was one of the runs that scored ahead of Antoine Duplantis' home run. So, then, of course, that would have just been a blip in the overall outcome of the game had Arkansas pushed the lead way up. So, yeah, you know, they've been good at clutch hitting, but yesterday or Saturday was not one of those times. And middle relief from time to time, uh, maybe a few too many walks and um, big hits given up to the other team. But all in all, a team that has a lot of strength going into the um, postseason, hitting left-handed curveballers to me is one of the things that if they run into a guy like that, they get upset in a regional and they face a lefty curveball specialist, it, it would be a danger zone for this team. It, but, um, you know, thinking back on your question about Dave, I would say this this certainly could be the best the best coaching job he's done, but the postseason will tell the tale. Yeah. Uh, you know, and certainly it's all about the postseason because we were, you know, opining on this earlier in the year and, and certainly last week some that – it's all about the postseason. You talk about what you got to do this weekend and winning the West and SEC tournament. None of that means anything. It, it, you've really built a monster here. Um, mm. It's just similar to what maybe the success Nolan's had, even though the title hadn't happened yet. Um, you know, but you've had enough College World Series, which are kind of equivalent to Final Fours, to give you the feel of the the real success. This is yeah. a this is a monster now, Tom. It feels like College World Series and maybe even Championship Round again, or it's it's kind of a letdown or a disappointment to the fan base. Yeah, I would say certainly if they don't make the Omaha, it will have been a a nice season that wasn't capped off properly. And they've got the veteran talent, you know, that they can they could, should be able to do it. When you think about them in a in a regional setting or a super regional, what you feel like will happen is that Isaiah Campbell will give them six or seven innings. A quality start. I mean, his track record is good enough this season that you believe in that. And then in, in a game two, uh, Patrick Wicklander, if he could keep his keep the walks down, just the extra base runners, um, then he, he he would be a solid game two guy. And a lot of teams struggle against left-handed pitchers, so um, there's a, there's a lot of components to this team that you like. Uh, they just got to be able to score some runs. I would say um, in a postseason setting, if they if they can score five six runs per game, uh, they're going to be pretty dangerous. Well, and, and Tom, just kind of going back to the point of if they've wrapped up a national seed, I feel like they have, unless it's just some sort of epic collapse. But say if they do get the 
win a series against Texas A&M this weekend, for instance. The SEC tournament, I think, is going to be fascinating on how Dave Van Horn handles that because we've talked about it a little bit before as far as how he approaches it. Does he, does he go all in on it? Does he exhaust his pitchers? Because you don't want to do too much. But it's just one of those things that's always going to be fascinating to see how a coach handles a tournament like that, knowing what they already have wrapped up and that they really have nothing to play for once they get into the tournament. Absolutely, yeah. And you don't want to overextend any pitching. If they win the A&M series, hold on, win the West, they're either the number one or the number two seed, then I think anything that happens in Hoover is superfluous to the fact that mm. they've clinched the top eight seed. And at that point, the way Dave talks about it basically every postseason heading to Hoover is that they're going to go down there to win games. And now, <clears throat> that, I don't think that means overextending a starting pitcher past uh, you know 105 or so pitches. I don't think it means that. I don't think it means using Matt Cronin on back-to-back games to get more than three outs. I don't think anything like that would factor in. I think it's sticking with the plan that he's had for those guys and that those games aren't uh, all, all important for them, uh, that the next weekend's games are all important. And so go down there and let your hitters have some fun. I mean, I'll never forget covering the tournament there two years ago when Chad Spanberger and all those guys were just blasting home runs left and right. That was wild. And then they throw a no-hitter. A short and no hitter in the middle of it. Uh, it, w- it was a f- one of the funnest tournament things I've ever, ever done. But, um, but again, it never comes at the expense of overextending your pitch. See, because that's really what it's going to come down to as well. And and when they get into the regional and the super regional, something we discussed too, Tom, is it's about matchups more than anything, man. Oh, yeah. it, it seems like that every single year, like last year, Arkansas. I'm not saying that they didn't deserve to win or deserve to go to where they were at, but. It was also about the matchups and the teams that they played, and I feel like that can sometimes not get factored in enough that, yeah, Arkansas is good enough to get back to the World Series and get back to the World Series final, but it's going to really play out, and it's going to be very important as far as who those matchups are going to be against, too. Yeah, no question. That's always a a factor in any kind of postseason run. And I've been thinking about this a little bit lately. Southern Miss had such a good season last year, and they came here, and they threw that, that kid Sandlin in their first game I think his name was Jake Sandlin or something, and he was like eleven and zero, and you know he, he had a great repertoire, and they beat Dallas Baptist like ten to two or, or something like that, and just really whipped them. And I always thought if they really are going to shove all in to try to win this, they should try to win game one with another guy, battle Dallas Baptist, get into a slugfest, whatever, and then try to throw him against Arkansas. But they didn't do it. They went for the you know. The, the pretty sure win in game one with him, and and they had to they had to throw a guy who wasn't quite as sharp, uh, and I think it was the local kid from Fayetteville, um, Walker, in um, in game two against Arkansas, and the, the Razorbacks went from there. Before you go, I guess we should mention Arkansas's women's uh, track program uh, completes the SEC Triple Crown and wins the conference title in indoor, outdoor, and cross country. That done over the weekend in Fayetteville, and also. The NCAA Women's Championship coming up at the Blessing. So, busy time for women's sports and national championship competition on the horizon. Really is. Uh, time to, to rack up some points on the, uh, the Director's Cup for the Razorbacks. I mean, they, they have a golf team. Well, first of all, track and field team, I watched some of that. They are deep. They are talented. They obviously have a, a great shot at winning nationals. And then the golf team certainly has the firepower and the experience I mean, they were a they were a outstanding team in match play last year. Uh, got beat um, in in the first round of match play at SECs, but 
with Maria Fossey at the top of the lineup and Kaylee Benton and Dylan Kim the, and the younger, the, the freshman, Brooke Matthews from Rogers and him and Gonzalez, they've got a team that uh, could be very, very dangerous at the Blessings. So that'll be fun to watch. I believe it starts Friday, and uh, John Tyson has, is comping the entry fees for everyone. So no reason that there shouldn't be a nice crowd out at the Blessings starting Friday. Certainly will make out for a great week. Tom Murphy of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Always appreciate you joining us, Tom. Have a great one, man. We'll catch you with you on Thursday. You betcha. Sounds good. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Brought to you by the all-new Natural Light Natterdays. The new beer of the summer. Now, this is just some big news that came across the timeline as far as national news goes in the sports world. That John Beeline. From Michigan, the head basketball coach of Michigan. has been there forever. He's mm-hmm. been to a national championship, a few Final Fours. has been really successful there. Just came across that he has officially accepted the job with the Cleveland Cavaliers. How old is John Beeline? He's got to he be in his 60s. He is 66 years old. Wow. And is a five-year deal well, with the Cavaliers. Okay, so here it is May the 13th, and he is jumping ship with Michigan. That's not really a great time of the year to be out searching for a basketball coach. No. No, not at all. And I'm wondering about the timing of this all. Michigan season's been over a long time. Mm-hmm. Cleveland season has been over for a good amount. What what was was it because what Cleveland transpired was, all right? Yeah, was Cleveland looking at a bunch of other people and they kept getting denied, 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 and then Beeline just kind of fell into their lap, and that's why it took so long. Because I feel like, and again, I'm, I don't I, if I'm not a Michigan fan by any stretch. In fact, I really dislike Michigan. But I would feel if I was a Michigan fan waking up this morning and seeing this news, I would be pretty upset by this and, and the timing of it all, like you said, because a lot of these coaches who are looking to make these jumps and these moves in college basketball, they've already made those jumps and well, moves to other schools. And Michigan's a good enough basketball job, though. There's someone willing to leave their current spot in college hoops to head to Michigan. It, it's a good enough deal. So they'll find them a coach, but you're right, the, the timing's terrible. Yeah. And that's and that's was the thing that really stood I mean, out to me too. You look at when Arkansas was forced to try to find a football coach when when Petrino ran into into the ditch mm-hmm. into his issues. April was a horrible time yeah, to be looking around, <laughs> and that's why you ended up going the quote unquote interim route with John L. But you know it's just a bad you know there's there's certain times of the calendar when you're not doing it and right now. It's, a recruiting period out there. What, what is it terrible of me to immediately start speculating on him being in trouble with this whole NCAA and college basketball and stuff going on? That was there maybe some connection to him that he maybe something got thrown at him and said, "Hey, you know, you're you're on this list or you've been named or something like that," and so he jumped ship really quick. Get out of it. I mean, I'm not saying that's for sure happening, but I could see that being some sort of deal because in college basketball it seems, seems like especially the big teams i i, I want to feel like that yeah, that's most of them are probably pretty dirty yeah, and getting out ahead of the sheriff yeah, yeah. So something like that I, I could totally see it too but don't you also like and if that's not the case say if that's not the case i also find it funny because i always feel like nba coaches are so expendable like to me beeline being at michigan's well, is a great job that has job security you're the guy you're you know no one's gonna you've got job security for a long time at least, and he's always had successful teams, he's in a good conference, he's getting paid a lot of money. So, But in the NBA, one bad year and you're gone. Yeah. I, I mean, that's how it is. And it's just like, I don't know, I, I find that strange that 
you know, at least I always feel like a college basketball job, if you're good at it, is much better than trying your hand at the NBA. Right. But at the same time, though, maybe that, well, that's not how everybody is and there, thinks about it. There's always things in life you want to do and you don't want to have regrets about when your career is over. And when you're 66, you got a lot more years behind you than you got ahead of you. Maybe the NBA is just something he's always wanted to take a crack at. You know, and, you know, it's now or never kind mm-hmm. of deal. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure there will be a press conference and some of those questions will be asked at some point in the next hours or days. Yeah. Well, and it is too amazing that how, and say in college football, for instance, it feels like there's more college football coaches, head coaches making the jump to the NFL, where, or at least there's been more interest and more speculation about getting a college football coach to come up to the NFL, which for a while there, it seemed like that was taboo. You didn't want to go to the college ranks because the college game was so completely different and, and it yeah. was a completely different animal that it never translated into being a successful NFL coach. I mean, look at what when Steve Spurrier tried his hand at it. He was considered the greatest coach in all of college football at the time. Didn't translate. And even in the NBA, you've seen coaches like a Fred Hoiberg when he went to the Chicago Bulls, like they're trying their hand to go at the college coaches. And, and it makes me wonder, is there anything to that? Is there any reasons behind it? Is it because they feel like the college game, and, and, and this can be in football or basketball, has elevated itself so much that it's closer to the NFL where maybe the transition isn't as wide and isn't as tough as what it used to be? Or is it maybe in a way of laziness where they're just trying to find the next big well, thing to where they can get a college coach out of there? Of, of all of the coaching that has to be done at the pro level, I mean, I think Major League Baseball may be, may be the easiest, but in the NFL has to be the hardest. But the NBA, I mean, it. you're really more, particularly when you're loaded up with players, I mean, how much X's and O's and how much how much real coaching are you doing? I mean, you're, I don't want to call you a glorified bus driver, but at the same time, these are pros. They know, I mean, yeah. you're not coaching a lot of technique and, and a lot of fundamentals. You know, you're, you're not, more about an ego manager more than anything. Exactly. I agree with you. And Phil... Phil Jackson won a lot of titles by being a good ego manager. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I think probably from a coaching standpoint, it's easier in the NBA than it is college basketball. Now, managing and dealing with all the personalities could be much more difficult. But you got a general manager in a front office that's going to say, here's your roster. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying you're not designing offenses and you're not you know managing a, a, a larger staff of assistant coaches. you got more resources from that standpoint with more support staff probably don't have as nice of facilities in some regards because in the college game it's just an arms race for facilities uh, where in the nba it is not pro sports in general yeah it, it doesn't seem to be that way but you, know, you just think about it from a coaching standpoint it's probably the actual hands-on coaching probably a whole lot easier no. Probably not a whole lot of coaching going on at the next level. Yeah, that's a good point, too. And, and let's be honest, him taking over, and because we're talking about John Beeline moving Michigan for Cleveland, he's taking over Cleveland. You know, it's not like he took the Lakers job, right? They, which nobody seems with, to want. Yeah, which basically everyone's running as fast as they can from, even though they ended up getting Frank Vogel. And, and so that's a whole different deal within itself. But it's also one of those things, too, that I, I feel like if I was John Beeline and I was going to make that jump, it's about what situation you're taking over. You're taking over a situation that you're, you're, you're post-LeBron James. You already lost him. There's not a lot of expectations there. You're not going to get a lot of great big-time free agents to come to Cleveland. So as far as the job itself, 
there I don't see I don't think the pressures come along with it that it would be from some other big market with some other big time superstar players like if you're coaching LeBron or something like mm-hmm. that. And I feel like it's almost the same thing with say when Cliff Kingsbury took the job with the Arizona Cardinals. I wonder if he wouldn't have would he have taken that job if the Cardinals went 7 and 9 the previous year and they didn't have the first number 1 overall pick to be able to take it on a big time quarterback like Kyler Murray like it's it's all about situations and what coaches decide to take over and timing of everything. Hey, coaches coaches are looking at two things: contract and players. How, how much money are they going to get? I mean, for 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 Beeline here, this is probably financially one of his last two raws here. Mm-hmm. Chance to pad the retirement a little bit, but also, hey, would my style, my system, my abilities translate to the professional game? Coached a lot of these players that have made it. Could I do this? I think none of us want to retire with any regrets. No. From whatever we do in life. This might be one of his regrets if he never did this. No. It's a good point. You think that's something maybe, say, Nolan Richardson? He'd probably never publicly say, boy, that's a big regret. But he never coached at the NBA level. Think that's something he wanted to do? There's probably a lot of college coaches that have the itch to to see if it work. But they've watched the Calipari's and the Patino's. Or in football, the Spurriers, mm-hmm. the Sabins go, and it doesn't not always work out. Even the great college coaches, it doesn't always work out. In yeah. fact, it's rare that it does. It's rare that it does. And it comes out of the question too: to say if you were a big time college basketball coach and you were really successful at your school, competing for Final Fours every year, do you? What would it take for the NBA to become an, of interest to you? Like, because John Beeline's never won a national right. championship or anything. It's not like he's been to the pinnacle at Michigan. I I think it would take first and foremost your situation where you're at to sour. Yeah, there's something that has soured for John Beeline at at Michigan. So that's generally what has become uncomfortable or dissatisfying. What has made him want to leave? Because generally these coaches that have that much success at the college level, they have total control. Mm-hmm. The president, the AD, the chancellor, and the board, no, they're not messing with these guys. They can do anything they want. They got all the funding they need, all the resources they need, all the facilities they need. You know, they don't want for anything. Yeah. Why well, you think Coach K has never left Duke? Right. He's got a baby. Total there. control. Yeah. Calipari, total control at Kentucky. And honestly, control and being left alone and being able to do the the job the way you want to do it with very little input from those higher up on the the uh, the organizational chart than you means a lot more than money a lot of times yep and so something that'd be my first thing first thing i think of here with what is soured there what what changed between beeline and his bosses to make him even want to entertain this in the middle of may that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Where did all Something's go wrong? changed. Something's happened. Yeah. I mean, because if you think about it, and that just in the past few years, I mean, Michigan went to the Sweet 16 this past season. They were the runner-up. They were in the right. national championship game the year before that. They were in the Sweet 16 before what, that. I mean, what have they told him no about? Yeah. Some, Something's like, happened. Yeah. So I'll be curious to see what comes out from it. But again, big news in college basketball. John Beeline, the Michigan coach, Michigan no more. Moving on to be the Cleveland Cavalier coach with a five-year deal. Good luck.
You're going to need it there in Cleveland with the Cavalier program. So fascinating stuff. Your number one source of local news and information you need. Like the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast? Check out the Halftime Pod at hitthatline.com.